What's up? And welcome to Forte Catholic Radio. This is your host, Taylor Stroll. It is a beautiful day here in Central Texas as we record in the Red Sea Radio second floor studios of St. Mary's Catholic Center in College Station, Texas. It's great to have you in today. I am fired up. I've got a ton of energy and a ton of things to talk about. There's just been so much going on this week. I am so excited to talk about it. In this first segment, I'm going to talk about that crazy week. We're going to talk a little bit about ministry madness and a first for me at Mass this Sunday, this past Sunday. An absolute first. What happened has never happened and may not ever happen again in my lifetime. We'll see. In the second segment, we are going to be talking with a painter, Michelle Arnold Payne, about her uh, very interesting conversion story. It's not a typical conversion story and what she is doing in the world of Catholic art. In the third segment, I'm going to talk about uh, this sophomore retreat that I worked on about a week and a half ago. Didn't get a chance to talk about it on the show last week, but uh, I got to give a talk about why, why are we Catholic? Essentially, why are you the way that you are? <laughs> why am I the way that I am? Why do we believe what we believe? And the story may or may not involve me splitting my pants during the retreat. So we'll get there, I promise. But let's start with this. Spring break just happened. We were on spring break last week. And we're two days into this normal week, and I need another spring break. I'm exhausted. I'm absolutely exhausted. Last week was not a break at all. We had so much going on. We had track practices all throughout the week. We had a track meet on Thursday that, that took the whole day. Uh, got home a little after midnight. <sighs> the next day, I had to wake up early to come sit right here where I'm sitting right now. Did a bunch of radio stuff. Had to record some new spots. I did an interview with my new friend, Sean McAfee. Like, to the point, we hit it off so quickly that we are now Xbox friends. Like, before we even did the interview, we were just joking and, you know, goofing off before the show. You know, the stuff that's for Patreon. You know, like that kind of stuff. And uh, we became Xbox friends. And a couple, I think it was, it was actually on Sunday. He lives in Italy. So it was like midnight for him. And it was like 4 p.m. for me. I played video games with him two days after we like officially met and we're on the radio together that is that interview will come out next week but if you want to listen to it you can go to patreon.com slash forte catholic that is our membership site where people where you the good people can give one dollar a month two dollars a month five dollars a month get bonus content get all kinds of new things and it's a great way for you to be like you know what taylor i like you and I want your children to be able to eat. So go check it out. Uh, it'll air next week. But if you want to listen to it right now, uh, you can listen to it on Patreon.com. Also on Friday, I went on the Jennifer Fulwaller show on SiriusXM's The Catholic Channel. For the fourth time, I did another unpublished worship song, if you've never heard those before. It's where I take the scripture verses that have never, ever had a hymn or a worship song written about them because they're odd, obscure, kind of weird, not understandable. And I write a song and I sing it. We started on the show, but uh, Jennifer loves them. So I uh, revealed a new, a newly written and recorded song 
Um, it, which is a thank you letter to Peter. Or not Peter, Paul. I apologize, Paul. It's not for you. It's not for you, Peter. Sorry. Um, so it's a, kind of about the weird things where like he he wrote with big letters and it, kind of the odd things that he talks about in his in in his letters. I mean, the dude wrote seventy five percent of the New Testament, but there's I just have a lot of questions, and I address those questions in the form of song. Like there's a story of a a kid that was listening to him preach and. Apparently, Paul was a better writer than a preacher because kid fell asleep on the third floor of a building, fell out of the window, died, which was must have been very awkward for Paul. <laughs> you know, like when a, when a kid falls asleep when I'm giving a talk, I just like you know smack them or pull their ear or something. Like this kid died, like very very awkward for Paul. But he had something that I don't have. He had the ability to raise that guy from the dead, which is what he did. So. All of that is found in the song. You can find that as, as bonus content on the Forte Catholic Podcast, wherever you listen, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and now, actually, as of yesterday, on the iHeartRadio app. So wherever you're listening, you can find all past episodes, but also the bonus content of me being on Jennifer's show and that song. Go check it out. Okay. Then, after, so that was, that was Track Meet Thursday, radio for six hours. Friday, Friday morning into the midday. Then, right after that, I drove to Dallas because the Encounter Band, the, the band over at Ablaze Ministries, is finally recording an album, which is what we did over the weekend. We went and laid down a couple of tracks. Um, and so I went there. We recorded for two days. And then I drove back in the middle of the rain, which the rain will play into the story at the end of this segment. But before we get there, I do want to give you a little insight into Ministry Madness. We had a big thing about it last week, so we're not going to talk um, about it for a whole segment, but I did want to give you a little update. For those of you that don't know, where have you been? <laughs> There's this thing for Ministry Madness, or uh, during March Madness, that we call Ministry Madness. So, of course, March Madness happens every year. Uh, sometimes it's in April. I'm just kidding. It's always in March. It's kind of in the name. Uh, there's been some crazy matchups, crazy games, crazy upsets in March Madness in basketball. The number 16 team beat a number one seed for the first time in the history of the sport, for men's at least. People always say that. They're like, it's the first time it's ever happened. It's like, well, it happened in the women's bracket a few years ago. It's like, well, it's not, that's not as popular as the men's bracket. But here's the deal. That's March Madness. Ministry Madness is Catholic ministry leaders in a 64-person bracket, who would win in a boxing match? So I want to zoom in today on four matchups. So if you could picture the bracket in your head, if you haven't voted yet, you can go to ForteCatholic.com. Ministry Madness is right there on the homepage. You can click. You can vote through whoever you th- You can fill out your whole bracket right now from 64 all the way down to one. Vote for who you want to do. <laughs> Mackenzie, the producer today, is doing it right now. She's a, apparently a bad person. She's been around the show for two, the last two weeks that we've been doing it. She hadn't voted yet. Whatever, Mackenzie. All right. We're going to zoom in on the top, the closest matchup in each bracket. The top left division is all podcasters, other people who are podcast hosts. The closest one right now is our buddy, Father Ryan Higdon, who also plays into this Sunday Mass story that I'm going to get to in a second, he currently has a little over 55% of the vote against Luke, last name redacted, Carey, 
Sorry, I said it. <laughs> I said it, didn't I? Go read his bio. It might be one of the funniest things I've ever written. I think it's. I think it's awesome. Um, but Luke Carey, one of the um, uh, fantastic hosts over on the Catching Fod, catch, Catching. I almost said Catching Fodcast, the Catching Foxes podcast. They're one of the most downloaded, if not the most downloaded, Catholic show on podcast. Um, and Father Ryan, who is a host here at Red Sea Radio of Everyday Catholics and the Everyday Catholics podcast. So 55% to 45% with Father Ryan currently beating him out, which we all know Father Ryan runs marathons. So he's he might be in a better aerobic shape, but Luke's a little bigger. So I think that's the reason, you know, bigger guy can take him down. So we'll see how that matchup continues to go in the uh, bottom left division, which is speakers and media. I'm actually very, very impressed. We have a tie. We have a tie. And I'm actually really interested by this because, you know, I did the seating. So I kind of put who I thought would win in uh you know against people that i thought you know they'd probably beat in the first couple of rounds to make it interesting right so uh there's a model young younger youngish man right a few years older than me mario st francis who i actually did an event with when i was in college good looking fella he's an actor a model all all these good things right he's going up against a man <laughs> who i, I don't want to guess but he's got a few years on him uh mike aquilina I think I'm saying that right. If not, I'll spend extra extra time in purgatory. We'll get to extra time in purgatory here in just a second because uh, y'all are going to be there with me, you people that have voted in this bracket. And we're just, we're going to get into that here in a second, okay? But uh, Mike's a podcast host as well. They are literally tied, literally tied. After you know, <laughs> over over between 100 and 200 people have voted. There have been over 5,500 total votes cast. And they are literally tied. I find that very impressive. So if you want to be the one to go break the tie, go on and vote right now. The voting will close in about two weeks. At the end of March, it'll close. So that is that. what's going on over there. In the top right division, we have musicians and actors. Authors. Sorry, not actors. I was like, I don't have any actors in here. I have one actor. Musicians and authors. Here's the part. Where some of you guys just signed up for longer purgatory. I literally, this, this is the only matchup. So in the first round, there are 32 matchups, right? Because there's 64 people. In all of the matchups, most of them are going the way that I thought. Some of them, I'm a little surprised, but they at least make sense. This one, y- y'all are literally just messing with me. <laughs> y'all are literally just, just skewing this. Because uh, Bob Lesneski, uh, better known as Righteous B., Catholic rapper, tatted up, awesome guy from the hood, doing ministry in the hood. He's like he's the number one seed in this bracket, right? Which means he's he's one of the top people in in, in the whole bracket. He's up against the amazing man, Dr. Scott Hahn. I literally say. In the instructions, this is not a popularity contest. This is literally who you think would win in a boxing match. And it says in bold letters, if you don't follow these instructions, if you vote off of popularity, I have worked it out with God, with the big guy upstairs, that you will spend extra time in purgatory. And I'm going to be there so I'll know, okay? How is Dr. Scott Hahn currently winning by three votes? (laughs) Come on, guys. Come on. It's the only one. There are 32 matchups. Y'all are going to heaven for 31 of them. 
purgatory for this one. I promise. Somebody go fix this. Go vote for Bob. You definitely should win. Come on. You're better than this. Okay. And then finally, in the women's bracket, which there are a couple of ups- upsets happening. And, ladies, I have good news for you. Very good news for you. So how it, how it comes out, no matter what, the top, the, the top four people total are going to be the people that win each bracket, right? So no matter what, a woman will be in the top four. Last year, it went kind of like typically how I thought. Because no, no matter what happens in the final four, it'll be a man versus a man and then a man versus a woman. So last, like same, same thing happens every year. Because it's kind of that thing, like, I don't want to keep the ladies out, but at the same time, I don't want men and women fighting the whole bracket. I just want one, one men's and women's fight. And like, that's, that's the, the max that I'll go to, right? So last year, the woman in the, in the, in the final four, Allison Sullivan, got fourth place overall. Ladies, I have good news for you. I'm not going to say who it is, but the person that is currently women, winning the women's bracket is in third place overall. Which means that people in the final four are picking her over a man in the final four bracket. They're picking a man in, in, to, to win, right? To actually win. But that, I was actually very impressed like that. So good job, ladies. You're doing your part. Okay. The closest matchup, it's one vote away, is our good friend Allie Hoffman. She's been on one of the most popular podcast, most listened to podcasts in Forte Catholic history. She was on just a few weeks ago versus speaker Haley Stewart. Haley's currently beating you, Allie, by one vote. So, guys, go out and vote. That's the Ministry Madness update for the week. Let's get into this Mass. One of the contestants, Father Ryan Higdon, was celebrating Mass uh, this Sunday. And and me, my wife, my three kids came to Mass. Uh, What Mass did we go to? 5.30 in the afternoon. If you live here locally, you know what happened around 5.55 in the afternoon on Sunday. So we're going through Mass just like normal. And those of you that have kids know that it's hard to kind of pay attention anyway, right? But my kids are being good. Like, I'm actually listening to the readings. And here's just a little snippet from the gospel. Because it sets up our whole story. In John chapter 12, Jesus says, I am troubled troubled now. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this purpose that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd there heard it and said it was thunder, but others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus said this voice did not come for my sake, but for yours. Okay. So that's kind of the the gist of the gospel, right? But it mentions thunder. And as we were coming into mass, you could tell there were some ominous clouds as as we drove up, but it was a fairly pretty day, actually. So... The homily starts. Father Ryan, great homilist. Probably helps that he's on the radio, too. Like, you know, just a very engaging, engaging speaker and great engaging homilist. And he starts the homily off with, guys, I have to just kind of be honest with where I am right now. I'm a little sad. And we're like, okay. okay." He was like, you know, in, in the gospel, whenever it mentions thunder, I just kept asking Jesus, like, I just want it to just have this big Thunder happen right when we say thunder. Like, how cool would that be? But it didn't happen, so I'm kind of sad. And we all kind of like chuckled at it because we were like, we thought he was going to like share his heart with us. And he was like sharing a joke. Like, it was very funny, right? He baited us in. And then he kind of, as an aside, said, well, maybe he'll just do it whenever I say a big, like, a, you know, the big point in my homily. Ten minutes later, five minutes later, something like that. 
He's talking, you know, he gets into it like, like, like he does. And he's talking about, you know, God is a good father who wants to give us good gifts. And like he's, you know, getting into it. And then he stops because this big lightning happens. And you, know, you know how lightning and thunder work, right? We sit there. And he's like pointing at the sky, like waiting. Five, one second, two seconds, five seconds, six seconds, seven seconds go by. Boom, 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 boom. And then Father Ryan just does that little thing where you have your hand up and then you just do like the fist bump, you know, like the fist goes down, you're all, you're pumping your arm. You're like, yes, this is the moment. So he got what he wanted and he was very thankful. But here's the deal. Right after the homily, it wasn't raining. That thunder brought more than rain. It started hailing. Like, legit hailing to the point that we couldn't hear him. Like, the guys had to go turn up his microphone for 15 minutes. It is just pouring. The St. Mary's has glass, you know, these glass windows all the way through. It shattered some of the ones in the top. They didn't, thankfully, didn't break any of the ones like where we were sitting, like where anybody was sitting, breaking the glass. That much hail, right? So, obviously, in the middle of, like, it's going through the Eucharistic prayer. It's going through, like, the offertory. And then, you know, he does the consecration. It's going all the way through this, right? And then it stops. We receive communion. And then after communion, we all sit down. And Father Ryan gets up and he says, did you notice when the hail stopped? The hail stopped right when communion began. Right when we were becoming one with God, one with the Savior. And his point was like, in the midst of our our struggle, in the midst of our chaos and distractions, that's where God wants to come and meet us. In the midst of the hailstorm, in the midst of the storms in your life, Jesus wants to come and break into that. It was awesome. Guys, we'll be right back with Michelle Arnold Payne. Hey, what's up, listener land? This is Taylor. Uh, This part of the podcast the last couple of weeks I've been using to uh, ask and or plead for some uh, of your reviews on iTunes. Two of you did it. DJ Alker, Catholic speaker, radio show host. Taylor is both. Five stars. Thanks, DJ. Also, the newest one this week comes from Craig Spearings. It's a great show and it's making Catholicism fun again. And then the comment is, and I'm not just saying that. Because he was begging for ratings on the show. Thanks, Craig. And yes, still begging for ratings. It really does help out. Um, I put in a lot of time and love and energy into this show. If you could take 60 seconds to say thank you by going over to iTunes, searching Forte Catholic, scroll down, write a review. Theirs took 30 seconds. (laughs) You could do it. It would be very, very helpful. Uh, Thanks a lot. We'll be right back with Michelle Arnold Payne. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. This is your host, Taylor Schroll, recording on a beautiful day in Central Texas. Uh, for those of you guys that have listened to the show before, you know that in our second segment, we always do our, uh, our interview. And today, we have a special guest that I met in the Catholic Creators Group. If you've been listening to the show for the last couple of months, you've heard uh, a couple of people from the Catholic Creators Group. Today, I have Michelle Arnold Payne, who is a Catholic artist and painter michelle how are you doing on this beautiful day i'm very well thanks good so i am just getting to meet you over the last couple of months or so i've I've checked out some of your art and it's phenomenal i uh the last painting that i did was about i don't know three months ago where i was like forced to do it for prayer 
And <laughs> I am such a bad artist that like people were laughing at me while they were supposed to be praying. So that's <laughs> that's why we have to have people like you come onto the show because I have no artistic skill in my entire being. So why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners here today? Uh, who is Michelle Arnold Payne? Well, I do believe that art can be taught, but I also believe that God Not to me. Does, <laughs> does instill in certain people more of a desire. And so um, I had that desire ever since I was a little girl and um, explored it through school, through college, went to graduate school, um, received an MFA in, in painting, um, also studied abroad while in college, which will play into the story. Um, certainly, I think we're going to get into that. I went to Italy and uh, ended up back there for a little while, joined the Catholic Church as an adult. Um, that was a while ago now. <laughs> <laughs> you're I'm only you're to, only like 21, right? 22. I so, well, yeah. that's what I yeah. It was actually 17 years ago um, that that happened. So I've been adult an adult for a, a little while now. It seems also, and um, I'm married and have two little girls. They're three and five, and very cute and very busy and <laughs> and, and better better painters than me already. <laughs> they love their coloring. They really do. And we live in Ohio. Oh, cool. So, yeah, we only moved here a couple. We're not from Ohio. I feel like I have to make that clear. <laughs> All my Ohio <laughs> listeners are like, why did she have to say it like that, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. We moved here a couple of years ago from New England, and we do really miss it. And I even bizarrely miss it when there's a blizzard out there. And so, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> missing blizzards you should put that on your bio because i don't have that you read like a very normal person but then one of the first things you say on the radio is i miss blizzards and i'm like i don't know <laughs> if we should continue with this i'm just kidding you, you mentioned italy and you mentioned becoming catholic so i do want to get into um how um how your conversion went because i i just read about it and it's not the typical way or at least one of the typical ways that I've that I've heard of a lot of people convert, where it's through, you know, like arguments with people, or or they they just scoured through books and learned all of these things. You seem to have a pretty different path. Why don't you share that with us? Well, I studied abroad in Italy, um, studying art and art history when I was a junior in college. So that was for an entire academic year. Um, that was also the first year that my college actually had. Um, had begun a study abroad program for art students. And this is actually an evangelical Christian college. So they started that program with the idea of bringing Christian art students to Italy to um, introduce the, the, the Renaissance and this time when the church was really appreciating and using art to its fullest extent. And and boy, that program worked so well. <laughs> I wanted all of it. Uh, <laughs> they so. had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> Father, they know not what they, they do. <laughs> turned out quite the way they'd planned. But um, I was actually able to go, like I said, it was the first year when I was a student. So I was actually able to go back um, on their second pilot semester as a staff person and then um, was hired to work there not full time. It was like three quarters time because it was academic year only, but for two and a half years. So I, I spent three and a half years working, three, three years working for this study abroad program in Italy. 
And while I was there studying as a college student, I met um, I met some people who were involved in the Italian Catholic Charismatic movement, and their particular um, the particular group that they were in was called the Comunità Maria, or the community, the Mary community. And we were hit, we were hosted um, our group by some sisters who had turned their boarding school into a religious hospitality house, and they were the company of Mary, Our Lady. And um, so I was just beginning these relationships with people who had close relationships with Mary, and so beginning some of those conversations. But studying art and art history, even when I was, because um, I did two different programs while I was there, I um, I was in a secular one semester also. But, you know, if you do, if you've looked at all at Renaissance art, it's, it's almost, you know, all religious. So the Annunciation, um, the, you know, Madonna and Child, Mary shows up again and again and again in all of these pictures that, you know, I had to study and take exams about and everything. And it really, um, really got me asking questions so that then when I started encountering these people um, who had, you know, a real deep faith, I, I had somebody to ask my questions to and to ask um, and to talk to about, um, uh, you know, not just a dead painting, but a, a living reality. And there's, there's also a lot of powerful, complex narrative artworks in the Renaissance that um, that I got fairly deep into in my studies as well that really showed me a different way of looking at the Bible than I had been brought up in. So was, I was brought up, you know, evangelical Protestant, Presbyterian, so always reading the Bible, um, being encouraged to memorize. I took an Old Testament, New Testament class in college, and it was a lot of like geography of the Holy Land and um, history of the 12 tribes and you know, who settled here and who settled there. And, um, and this sort of more poetic view, I, and I don't, I don't say of the Bible was, was just a really powerful thing for me. And so after my third semester in Italy, I came back to the States for a while. And I signed up for our CIA because I said, you know, I got to make sure that if this is what I really feel like I need to do, that I have to be sure I can be Catholic in America. And it's not just like the geraniums and the red wine speaking to me here. <laughs> good, good old Italy. And they're, they're, uh, they probably have a, uh, their beauty in art levels probably a little higher than what we have over here in America. They've been, well, uh, they've been at it a while. Yeah. And I, I knew that there was an element of sort of romanticism in, the, in the experience that I had, but I also, because I was living there, you know, for a long period of time that, that did eventually wear off. Um, but I, I also was like, you know, if I do this, this is going to be forever. It's going to be like getting married. Um, although I wasn't yet interested in that. <laughs> um, and so, so I, I signed up for RCIA, um, here in the U S and, you know, had a very good RCIA director who met with me and answered a lot of my questions, and, and then I, um, I wasn't able to finish my class here. I had to finish it back in Italy with one of the sisters. And I was actually confirmed in the cathedral of Orvieto at oh, Easter wow. of 2000. 
one. <laughs> and it was it was really cool because it was a pretty big deal. I don't think they'd had really any adults be confirmed at Easter for a few years. And here was this American, like young American woman who was doing it. So um, it was it was really very it was very powerful and it continues to to be um, bigger than I thought it was even then. And it was a pretty big deal even then. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 such an interesting story to me because a lot of people, you know, like the RCIA and like you know, we people have all these questions and you get them answered. That's probably one of the more natural and normal ways for people to come into church. But for you being in a non, you know, a non-Catholic Christian school, going to study art and like you know, it's, you've said over and over again that like studying the art, seeing the things that you have learned about your faith in these expressions of of art and architecture. Um, and and then obviously the the seeing faith within the sacraments was just such a a big deal for you, and you ended up you know giving your life to not only to Christ and to the church um, and becoming Catholic, but also like giving your life life and your work over to God as well. And you've been a, a painter for like over fifteen years, if I'm if I'm uh, if yes, I can read right. if I can read correctly. So like, what is uh what has been like your inspiration for this this art that you are creating? Uh, within the context of your Catholic faith? Well, um, sort of the two themes that I keep coming back to are Mary and also sacred architecture. And both of those things have their roots in the time that I spent in in Italy. Um, for For Mary, it was that time when I was studying there that I really began to like I said, I would begin to kind of encounter her and get to know her. And so, you know, back when I was in college, I, I started just kind of playing around with my own version of the Annunciation. And, you know, when I was there, there was one, there was one time where the sisters who were hosting us, they saw, I showed them like the series of prints that I'd been working on. And the mother superior said, those are really beautiful. Will you come and tell us about what you're doing? And I brought, um, I brought my, my images. And what, so what example, for example, one of the images was, was Mary with her arms out with a ladder in the background, because, um, in the, the early Christians and sort of, you know, historical church has often seen Jacob's ladder as a prefiguration of the virgin birth. So through, Mary, Christ came down to earth, like on a ladder, <laughs> and through Christ and through Mary, through Christ's redemption, we can go up to heaven. So it's like another ladder. So Jacob's ladder, the ladder that went to heaven wow. in, in the Old Testament, is this prefiguration of that. And I thought, well, I thought, well that's, that's really beautiful. So I put a ladder in. I was like, <laughs> what else? You know, I mean, it seemed pretty straightforward to me. But <laughs> I've never heard yeah. that. That's fascinating. I, I've never heard that those two things connected. That's phenomenal. And this I learned from a, an icon, um, which was found at my, um, which is at Mount Sinai in the monastery there, um, or at least came from the monastery at Mount Sinai, um, an Eastern, you know, Eastern Orthodox icon with many of these sorts of um, prophecies of the virgin birth. So, you know, I, I explained this to the nuns of the company of Mary and it was, 
like that experience. So I was 22 um, of sharing what God was telling, like sharing my art and how God was speaking to me through creating this art and explaining it to other people. I just sat there. I was like, this is it. This is, <laughs> this is me doing what I was sent to do on this earth. And that's what I want to keep doing. And, you know, when I went to Italy as a student, I was, I thought I was going to be an art historian. So I was taking, you know, all these foreign languages and I was going to, you know, write all incredible papers and about all this stuff that I had studied. And, you know, by the end of my college career, <laughs> I realized I really want to be the one making the pictures in the books and not, um, not studying them or writing about them. I, I really want to be the image maker and seeing, um, seeing these stories, but sort of telling these stories in a new way, because I thought that the images that I saw were so beautiful, um, but they were kind of, they're told in the visual language of a long time ago. Um, and, but I think that they're still relevant. I think these images are still relevant. I think the story the story of God's salvation for us, for the world is still relevant. Yeah, it's right? still kind of important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I think we speak a different visual language now. I mean, I was taught, you know, the way that I learned to paint the, the materials that I use are modern materials. I mean, I'm an oil painter, but I, I don't mix my own. I buy the paints in a tube from the store. Um, this is something that was invented in the 19th century. And you're so, you're so new age using your modern paint. <laughs> I know, modern um, so, you know, there's, there's things that I have experienced that I've access to that mean that I'm going to tell the story in a little bit different way. And I think that that's, um, it's part of what I'm called to do. So that was what I pursued then. Um, one of the things about working with his study abroad program is then I also had access to all of the teachers that came and um, built relationships with them, took classes with them. But then, you know, wanted to, I went to grad school, uh, University of New Hampshire for a couple of years. And, um, and then after that was teaching art and design part-time at um, colleges in the Boston area and painting and here we are. Yeah. So what, like, we only have like a minute, minute or two left. Um, I know, th I know your website. No, we're, I'm talking with Michelle Arnold Payne. Her website is Michelle with two L's, P A I N E dot com. I've been scrolling through some of these pictures as you've been as you've been talking about them. I've been pulling up the ones that you're talking about, and it's just it's just tremendous. I I really because I have no talent whatsoever. At uh, at painting or anything, I'm so impressed by by what people can do, not only with the art, but how you are connecting it to um, your faith walk and and the people and for the people who are experiencing your art as well. So why don't you just explain a little bit how people can get connected with you, how they can find some of your art, um, and what your favorite one is? Well, I I have right now available on my website a one of the medieval hymns that really interested that really influenced me um, along with one of my paintings that's available as a free PDF download. So I want to make sure that people know about that. If you go to Michelle, www.michellepain.com slash Mary hyphen download, you can um, 
you can download this PDF and print it out and use this hymn for your own meditation. The, the first couple lines of it, because I know we only have a minute. Mary the dawn, Christ the perfect day. Mary the gate, Christ the heavenly way. And this is, um, this is just a hymn that really helped me to understand how Mary points to Jesus and is where I've gotten a lot of the imagery for my paintings. Um, I'm also on Instagram at pain.michelle, and I, I do hope that people will, will take a look at the website simply because it's so hard on the radio to talk about painting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, like you said, I pulled it up as we were talking, and I just went to that link that you shared with us. Um, yes, yeah, thanks so much for spending some time with us. It's uh, We've never had a painter on, so this is the first in Forte Catholic history, and we thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, go check out her website. Guys, we will be back here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to finish off our show today, but um, I'm going to share a little bit about this crazy experience that I had at a sophomore retreat a couple of days ago and talk about uh, why you're Catholic and, and uh, why I'm Catholic and just asking some questions. I think we just don't ask those questions enough. So we'll be right back here in just a couple of minutes. Hey, it's Taylor. Uh, right before our last segment, I just wanted to get into your ears a little bit more with one final announcement. I'm having so much fun on social media with you guys. Uh, those of you who haven't followed me yet, I would love to get to know you, get connected. Go on over to Twitter or Instagram at Taylor Schroll, S-C-H-R-O-L-L, or go over to Forte Catholic on Twitter. I'd love to see you guys there. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. I'm excited for this segment. It's a fun story. I've been telling this story for the last couple of days. Uh, I've been in ministry for a long time. And most people that have been in ministry for a long time have some fun stories of like, you know, that shouldn't have happened, right? I've told one on the air before, I believe. If not, you're welcome. Maybe I haven't told this story before. You be the judge. Let me know if I've told this story before. Worst ministry moment ever. I uh, led a youth night during the summer, and then my core team was a bunch of young adults, and we all we all had seen Twenty One Drum Street when it came out. It was a fun movie. I enjoyed it, right? And then as a core team, just for some bonding with the young adults, we were like, you know what? Let's go see the sequel, Twenty Two Jump Street. Uh, as a as a as a core team, just to hang out after the youth night. So we do the whole youth night. We run our Bible study, do praise and worship. We pray. And then the kids leave and we head over to the movie theater. Who do we see at the movie theater right when we walk in? All the kids <laughs> that we had just left at the church because it was, this, it was the summer and it was like a Wednesday night and nobody had anything to do because we lived in a very small town. Everybody went over to the movies. Now, for those of you that don't know, 22 Jump Street is an R-rated movie which you cannot get into if you're not 17 or older. Well, being a small town and having, they had a friend that was over 17, they got in slash snuck in. So I watched an R-rated movie that was not as a, not that 21 Drum Street was, a, was appropriate, but I don't remember it being very inappropriate. 22 Jump Street very much was. Very awkward sitting in a same row with like 12 of your youth and your young adult court team, while some very um, un, un, uh, unholy things happening on the screen. Worst ministry moment ever. 
a week and a half ago, I didn't have like one of the worst moments ever. I had one of the funniest moments ever and one of the oddest things that have ever happened to me. One of the oddest things, but also surrounded by just a very odd assortment of events. <laughs> okay. Here's how the day went. We all showed up. It's a sophomore class retreat at the local at the local Catholic school. And we, at being the you know cool people that we are, thought that we'd start off the day by going to one of our favorite taco places here locally. Let's just go enjoy some tacos. Let's have some bonding time before we head out to the retreat center and like get started with like your normal retreat, you know, with talks and small groups and discussion, all that in prayer and all those things, right? Let's be the cool guys and bring them to go get tacos. We go get tacos. On the way to go get tacos, this one this one kid, um, we'll call him Roland because that's his name. So he was standing in this door frame and he said, we're all leaving to get onto the bus. And he looks at me. I've coached him before. We have a fun relationship. He looks at me and he goes, oh, ladies first to me, right? And I'm like, eh. So I just stand there and I don't move for a while. And I start talking to somebody else. And he's just like looking at me. He won't leave because he said ladies first. And I'm just like not going to engage with him, right? <laughs> you know, just going to let him leave and then be like, ha ha, you know, because I'm a child. But he doesn't leave. He waits me out. 60 to 90 seconds where it's just me him and this other person that i'm talking to but then he's standing in the doorway being playful right and i'm twice his size so i just give him a little playful shove in, in like on the back on in his shoulders right barely moved him like he's not violent whatsoever but you know that moment when you pass by something and there's that point in between your your the bones in your elbow like the funny bone area right he hits his funny bone on the doorknob. So I barely touched him, right? <laughs> he barely moved, but it, he flailed his arm to act all like dramatic, right? Like he wanted to make it look like I shoved him like crazy. He flailed his arm, hits his funny bone, falls to the ground. He's like, oh, no, like being a drama queen about it and like obviously playing, right? So that's, that's how it started with me, quote unquote, hurting Roland. The reason I tell that story is because it comes into play in a few hours. We go eat tacos. We have some fun. We head over the retreat. I give a talk. And then after the talk, we do a little bit of discussion group. But then I could tell the guys, like, we've been, you know, we've been talking and having discussion for a little over an hour now. They wanted a break. So I have heads up on my phone at all times. If, I don't know if you've ever played the game heads up where it's like you have to guess. You know, like if I'm playing, I put the screen on my head. I can't see the word. And y'all have to describe the word to me or act it out or sing it or something like that, right? So this kid, we'll call him James also because that's his name. Um, he has the phone on his head. And the word, so we're all trying to work together, right? So James has it on his head. The word is wrestling. And this it's like the sixth word that we've done in a row. So right when wrestling happens, if you've played heads up, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Me and Roland just look at each other and we know that we're about to act this out because it's the game where you're like, this version of the game, you can't explain anything. So we're going to like fake Russell so that he knows what's happening. Right when Roland turns to me, I think we're just going to like fake act it out. He like comes and he puts his chin or like his head under my chin, my, my, my lower chin. I don't know how to say this. My bottom teeth get shot up into my top teeth. A piece of my tooth flies out of my mouth, like onto the ground. And I'm like, ow, you know? But then I, I like reach into my 
into my mouth with my thumb and I'm feeling it around with my tongue. There's there's a crack in my tooth. <laughs> like he like legitimately cracked my tooth. And it's almost two weeks since this incident happened. My tooth is still a little bit sharp. But I mean, it was like I could cut my tongue on it the first couple of days. It was crazy. So that's the second incident with Roland. The third incident. <laughs> we're playing Gaga Ball. I don't know if you've ever heard of Gaga Ball. It's it's where there's like this hexa- hexagonal or octagon. I don't know what it what it is. It's a shape that my four year old probably learned in preschool that I don't know. Okay, so you hit a ball around, and you're trying to hit people from the from the knees down with the ball, and obviously trying to keep yours from being hit because if you get hit, you're out. We're playing this game. I'm wearing this pair of jeans that I've had my entire life. I love this pair of jeans. They're so comfortable. We play a game. I'm jumping around because you're you're being you know you're running around you're jumping around being athletic. Well, I mean, being big and out of shape and in jeans, of course this would happen. I didn't notice during the game, but I looked down after the game and I felt I felt a wind in a, in an area you don't usually feel wind. I had about a seven inch cut a hole in my jeans in a place you don't want a hole in your jeans. It's not meant to be there, right? So I noticed this after the game. Thankfully, nobody like saw it. But I'm like, okay. I assessed the situation very clearly. I've completely split my pants playing Gaga Ball. I live not too far away. So I start walking to the bus, okay? And I'm walking like with my legs very close together, you know, <laughs> so that no one notices. I look at the one of my, my coworker and I said, Hey, I'm leaving. I'll be back in 30 minutes. She's like, uh, okay, because I'm leaving her out here with all these other kids. It's like, well, my gosh, what is happening? Right. I have to go home and change, change my pants. I get to the car with this weird waddle so that nobody sees this huge split in my pants, right? Right when I hear that, James, who you know from Heads Up, who I coach on track on the track team, quiet man, I hear him yell like I've never heard him yell before. I just hear from like, you know, we're 50 yards away from each other. Taylor! <laughs> I turn around again with this huge split in my pants. And I just see him uh he has a very bloody nose. Let's just put it that way. The worst one I've ever seen. It's just like going, okay? And I'm just like, this would be the time that this happens, right? So if you've been listening to the story at all, you know who hit him. It was Roland, right? So, so Roland had, had hit him. They'd run into each other playing Gaga Ball. James thought he broke his nose and just gushing blood. So I have, I have to like be first aid for him while also trying to like protect my dignity, right? So like all at the same time, it's just this crazy moment. Like this is what happens in ministry sometimes. So finally we get we get him going. He gets uh his nose stops bleeding, clean it out, get some medicine, he feels fine. I ask him if I, you know, I was like, Do you want to come to the hospital? Like, do you want me to take you to a clinic? I'm we can do it on the way. I'm going home to change my pants, you know? And he's like, No, I'll be fine. I'll go later. Like, I, you know, because he thought it was broken. Then I kind of checked it. I didn't think it was broken. And like, we were going to leave in 30 minutes anyway. So anyway, we go over there. 
Or I go home, I change my pants, come back, we leave. End of the story. <laughs> Just crazy, crazy moment, right? Okay, but let's get into actually the theme. Like, what was supposed to happen on that retreat? <laughs> this is what happened. Here's what's supposed to happen. And actually, we had like a really cool couple of hours. And the first talk um, I gave. And every time, whenever we're, we're leading a retreat, we essentially say, what do these specific kids need? You know, because you could do a generic one on prayer, on living for Christ, but like, what do these kids need? And our biggest one was like, we need to like get them at a point at, as sophomores at a Catholic school and to get them to ask the question of themselves, why are you Catholic? So I asked them, I started off my talk by saying, why are you the way that you are? <laughs> you know, why are you Catholic? So I sat them down. I had them pair up. I had them ask a couple of questions uh, to each other and, and answer, right? So I, I asked them that. Why are you Catholic? They got to talk about it. So if you're listening on the radio, you could turn to your neighbor right now. Or if you don't have any friends like me, you can talk to yourself. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, pause it. Why are you Catholic? What's your answer? Okay. Welcome back from your pause. Here's what the kids were answering. They said their parents, which is very, I wanted them to be honest, right? Don't give me the holy, perfect answer. Why are you actually Catholic? They said their parents, right? Most people are what their parents are, right? If you're Catholic, you're going to grow up Catholic. If you're Baptist, you're probably going to grow up Baptist. If you're Muslim, you're probably going to grow up Muslim. If you come from a, a, an atheist family, you're probably going to be atheist, right? At least as a child. When people switch is when they're teenagers into their 20s or 30s, right? But for the most part, you start where your parents are. But... Because of the numbers that we see of people leaving the church with their teenagers in the 20s and the 30s, that's not enough, obviously, right? Uh, another reason, some, they said, their school. They go to Catholic school. They study theology. They have prayer before the day starts. They have masses. They have confession. They have retreats like the one that they're on. So very practical, right? Um, some of them said it's something to base your decisions off of. So when they're making a decision— they want to have some kind of code of, so of okay, am I going to do this or not? What do I believe? That's one of their reasons, right? And then I asked them, like, why be Catholic when you could be anything else? You could be Muslim. You could be atheist. You could be agnostic. Why be Catholic when you're anything else? When you could be anything else. And then I asked them, like, how, how would you explain to someone why they should be Catholic? I actually had them spend about five minutes, and I said, you are now the marketing director for the Catholic Church. Don't think about it too much because that doesn't exist. But <laughs> you are now the marketing director for the Catholic Church. How would you market for people to come and join the church? And it was, it was really cool just to see their creativity. Some of them were like, we're going to make this video, and they, like, storyboarded it out. You know, <laughs> Others were like... We're going to tell them how awesome it is. It's like, we're going to get a great spokesperson, you know, like all this kind of stuff. So it was just cool to kind of see that. And then after about, you know, 20, 30 minutes of them discussing it, I just answered it for me. So I, I want you to like, over the course of the next week, we're moving into Holy Week. The next, the next show is Holy Thursday. <laughs> like we're almost there. Lent is almost over. Ask yourself those questions. Why are you Catholic? Why are you the way that you are? Why, why be Catholic when you could be anything else? And how would you explain to somebody why they should be Catholic? So here's why I'm Catholic. And, and um, for the most part, I didn't have to give this talk because they had already figured it out. They said the same thing. It's logical. It makes sense. 
God is real. That in all of my studies, that has made sense. And even the things that I have questions about, I showed them this list that I have on my phone in the reminders app on my iPhone. Of all these questions that I had, I used to have 150 of them. And I would just go seek out the answers to those faith questions. And I'd get them answered. And the, the number is down to like five to 10 now. I'm sure I have more. I just had <laughs> gotten lazy, I think, and quit adding them. But even though I still have some questions, in all the questions I've ever searched for, I've always gotten an answer at some point. And the church has never led me wrong. So it's logical. It makes sense. Number two, I've experienced God multiple times within the context of the Catholic Church. People can argue all day. People can argue with us about the um, true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. They can argue with us about if a God exists. They can argue with us about uh, any, you name it. Did Jesus really raise from the dead? You can argue any point that we believe. People have an argument against it. They cannot argue with your experience. Even if it was like one time. Maybe if it was one time they could argue. Oh yeah, one time I think I felt God. It's like, well, maybe you had a bad burrito or something, right? But once you have multiple experiences when you've been in this for weeks, months, years, decades, people can't argue with your experience. There's no argument against that, right? And then number three for me is the Eucharist. That's the biggest reason I stay. Whenever the church is like, sometimes people in the church doing crazy things. I'm like, what? Why am I associated with that crazy person? But I, like, like Peter said, like, Jesus, to whom else should I go? You have the words of eternal life. That's how I look at the church. Whenever I'm confused, whenever I have questions, whenever I'm struggling in my faith, I, I, I just always come back to where else am I going to go? Where else is the true body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus found where I can, tr- I can become one with him? Nowhere, right? And then I talked about the biggest hindrance to faith. What, what's the biggest thing that keep us from being the Catholics that God has called us to? One, we're bored. You just get bored in, the, in, in faith. We talked about that last week on the show. You get bored in mass. You get bored of praying over and over again. You get tired. It can be seen as not important as other things that we give our time to. You know, like I could pray or I could watch Netflix. I, if you're listening to the show, you're probably, you're probably with me that you've done that multiple times where you've chosen Netflix instead of prayer. And then for other people, they had a bad experience in the church. Bad experience with a priest, bad experience with a nun, bad experience with the Catholic next door, like whatever it is. But the beautiful thing about the Catholic Church is that it's universal and that the, that the church that God founded, that Jesus founded, isn't just that local priest or that person that made you angry. It's much bigger than that. So, guys, we will be back next week with Sean McAfee. Again, we could, didn't have enough time to get to Father Jared Cook. I apologize. We'll be back then. Say it!